Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. I don't know. Saying happy Wednesday isn't the same as saying happy Friday. It's got a different feel to it. But nonetheless, happy Wednesday. Blessed Wednesday. Maybe I should say mm. that. Wishful Wednesday. I need to come up with something better. Maybe I should say Warrior Wednesday, huh, Pepper? It, Wisdom Wednesday. It, huh? W Wisdom Wednesday. Wisdom Wednesday. <laughs> Happy Wisdom Wednesday. That's too hard to say. <laughs> but Wednesdays have taken on a whole new meaning. I mean, Wednesdays, Wednesday mornings were already really like impactful for us and, and just full. I love Wednesdays. And now we've added, wait, I forgot which what the sequence is. Worship Warrior Wednesday. Warrior, warrior, warrior Worship, worship Wednesday. Mm -hmm. We've added Warrior Worship Wednesday to to the docket, and um, today is week two, and um, so we're meeting together to just contend in, in worship, to relearn, honestly, how do we worship the one who's so worthy, and um, so that's exciting. Oh my gosh, hi, mom. <laughs> that's my kid, not John. I <laughs> Hi, Zane. They're on their way to the doctor's office in Topeka, so bless them. Um, good morning, Chris and Lisa. If you're on, feel free to, to chat along in the comments. We love to, to hear from you, to know what it is that you're thinking, what's being um, prompted in you as our conversation unravels. So today, you know, I don't know if it's like an ode to Mother's Day or, or what, but it was just really on my heart, the portions of scripture where Jesus is pointing to Rachel weeping for her children. And, um, and we as an organization are sitting on a word that God gave us for the year. And um, there's a portion of it where he is distinctly promising family revival. I mean, he even says, you know, basically test me in this. Like you can, you can, you can put your money on this because I'm doing it. Like he is, he is undoing some things concerning families. He's, he's cleaning up the depths of our family line, which is intense. I mean, honestly, we love the thought of it, but when we really start thinking about it, we're like, oh my gosh. But let me read this portion to you because I think that it'll help us have kind of a springboard into the conversation. Um, family revival. Hearts turn back to me in deep reverence and lasting devotion. The least of these, the worst off, will hear my knocking and let me in. I am releasing a healing balm over families with a grace to uncover iniquities. Deep healing is coming to my house of myrrh. I'm touching pain-filled memories trapped in the hidden corners of your soul. I'm sweeping out every crevice and corner. This is the jubilee year of the soul in order to be satisfied and not crushed by the release of my greater glory. That's a word in and of itself. In order to be satisfied and not crushed by the release of my greater glory. My goodness, where is my hanky? Watch me for this one thing. Hold me to my word. I am restoring family life. Ask me even now and I will step in. You will house people eager to surrender and willing to die. Ask me. I will diffuse the essence of that sweet resin in your midst. You will know my intention, my call for surrender with the wafting fragrance of myrrh. And so for us, we believe that, that right now is when God is asking us to begin to contend 
for his promise over our family lines. And we're, we're, we're moving out of um, our sound mind series, which was super intentional on God's end. We were just along for the ride. And Vince and I were talking yesterday and we're like, you know, if you have a whole lot of like cyclic behavior coming up and confronting you right now, you're doing it right. <laughs> you know, because when he's coming in and renewing something, of course, everything in its dog is wanting to be heard. <laughs> and so if you're being confronted by, by your history, you're doing it right. Congratulations, but do not yield to it, right? Like, like let's keep pressing in. It's going to take everything for us to continue to press in and not fall, fall for the same cyclic behaviors. And um, so we have to put on that fresh mind of Christ and, and really be asking them, okay, how do you think in this scenario, rather than just falling into the offense, into the, the old behaviors, we have to put on the mind of Christ here and, and contend. And um, the reason why we're, we're looking at um, the, the portion of scripture, and it's in Jeremiah, 3115. And it says, thus says Jehovah, a voice heard in Ramah, a wailing, a very bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, the, the surrounding, the scriptures surrounding this, this portion is like sandwiched in by this I mean, I wish we had time to read all of, of chapter 31 because it's awesome. There, there's nothing but God's talking about the rebuilding that's going on. It's a building season for them. And I mean, it's, it's nothing but great that's going on in this chapter. But there is this portion, just this small little portion where it's saying Rachel is weeping. She's devastated over her children. And, and this is what I think God is saying to us is that my family pain is your family pain. Like we all need to position ourselves as Rachel in this season, in this time rather. And, and cause I think that this is not, it's not something that's going to be prolonged and go on and on and on. God is swift in this season. And, and I think that it's all about that oneness, about that, that union of heart and realizing that like what, whatever it is that, that Pepper is contending for in her lineage, I am contending for. Like I need to become positioned as Rachel and begin to weep over what it is that, that feels like loss in, in Pepper's line and, and, and Vince's and, and whoever else is, is listening to us. You, you get what I'm saying. So that's, that's my setup. Who wants to, who wants to take over pepper events? Go for it. I'll, I'll jump in here um, with, with all of these things that you're talking about and that, that weeping uh, from Jeremiah and everything in that word that you just read, it really speaks to, you're, you're talking about something being sandwiched in the middle right there. Mm-hmm. That uh, a part where God says, this is a Jubilee year of the soul. And and so I think it's important to understand what that meant. And it's broken down in Leviticus 25. But this happened every 50 years was a jubilee year. And there was uh, people were released from, from debt. Uh, they, slaves were released. And property was returned. Uh, it, it was a year dedicated to rest. Uh, they weren't supposed to reap or harvest because uh, uh, the harvest from the previous year was going to last them through 
until they started reaping and harvesting it again in a couple of years. And so it was really a time for these people to, to return to their families and, and, and rest and be free from, from all the things that could be entrapping them from the last 49 years. And, and this is something that we see in this thing in family revival, the, the hearts turned back to God. Uh, the, the lasting devotion coming back to the to to him, uh, uh, releasing the healing balm over families, uh, sweeping out every crevice and corner. It, this is something we we've, we've been moving through now this entire year, but really getting focused in these last few weeks when we're talking about a sound mind and and seeing this all start to come together and seeing God really start to to move. And, and so I, I think it's un, important to understand what a Jubilee year meant. Mm -hmm. And if all of these things are, are coming out right now and he's wanting to, to break families out from, from bondage, from, from debt, from uh, uh, anything that they've become a slave to, it's very important to sit up and take notice. If it's a Jubilee year of the soul, he's wanting to, to get into our, our, our minds, our, our will, our emotions and and heal there and and just touch those places and bring us into freedom and and it, it's it has to be something we're willing to do though mm -hmm. if you're unwilling to allow god to come in and move in these ways and show up how he wants to show up for you then your your jubilee year is is being robbed by you Ooh. and we don't we absolutely cannot do that uh, so there, there has to be a willingness to to allow God to come in and move and, and sweep these things out and get into every little nook and cranny, hmm. crevices and corners that he talked about here. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Pepper. Hmm. Yeah, that is good. There does have to be a willingness. And um, as you were speaking, Vince, my mind went to uh, Matthew 23 and see it's around 37 where um jesus is saying oh jerusalem jerusalem mm -hmm. you are the city that murders your prophets you are the city that stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you so many times i have longed to gather a wayward people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were too stubborn to let me mm -hmm. so there has to be a willingness and we were talking before we went live about how the very thing that God is fighting for us, that freedom we're resisting. <laughs> and we think that it's still better in Egypt, you know? So with that willingness uh, and, and Rachel weeping over her children and Jesus saying, I just want to take you like hens under my wings. There has to be that willingness and there has to be a call to action. And I was talking earlier about how we see Rachel weeping for her children. And that's a picture that most of us can wrap our minds around as a nurturing woman, as a nurturing mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are men that are that way, but we tend to see it stereotypically as a role that a mother plays. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the Lord took me over to Judges where we see Deborah, who also refers 
to herself as a mother in Israel, yet she wears all these different hats and all these different roles that we would typically think a man would wear rather than a nurturing mother. But mm-hmm. we see in Deborah, she was not only a prophet, she she had a spirit of counsel on her because she would sit under the palm tree and they would come and receive words of wisdom from her. Yeah. So we the, that spirit of counsel, and of course she had the might that went with it. She was also a judge, and as I said, she was also a mother of Israel. And so when we're looking at that nurturing role, we don't see that in necessarily in her calling Barak and giving him the word of the Lord, that you're supposed to go out and you're supposed to defeat the Canaanite army, mm-hmm. you know, and that the word of the Lord is that I've handed Sisera over to you. And he Mm -hmm. says, well, I'll only do it if you go with me. And, and she says, okay, I'll go with you. But this is what she said to him. um, in judges four, six through eight, Deborah sends for Barak, the commander of the army of Israel and gives him the word of the Lord, which is to subdue Canaan. And then um, she says, um, Let me find a scripture where she says that. I think I wrote it down. Because I like it in the, uh, yeah, here it says, she says, very well, I will go with you, but you will receive no glory in the victory because Yahweh will hand Sisera over to a woman, meaning not Deborah, but Jael, you know, and that doesn't sound very nurturing, but she is still moving in that role as a mother over Israel. And so we know the story that Jael puts the tent peg through Sisera and the Canaanite king Jabin gets defeated. And then the passage of scripture, the Bible takes us over into their victory song. And this is what uh, Judges 5, what Deborah says in the victory song of Deborah and Barak. Champions are hard to find. Hard to find in Israel until I, Deborah, took a stand. I arose as a mother in Israel. Come on. <laughs> Where's the mother? The mama. <laughs> yeah, where, where are the mothers at? <laughs> <laughs> because we see over in uh, Jeremiah, yeah, she did weep. Rachel did. But at, at some point he says, uh, uh, restrain from your weeping. And, and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded. So there was a time to just stop weeping. <laughs> Here's a call to action. Here's mm-hmm. the tent peg. Now you go do what the Lord of the Lord said. And right. I love that picture of a mother of Israel that looks so different than what our preconceived thought right. of nurturing mother is. Yes. And the thing that we have to keep in, in perspective here is that who Rachel was. Right. She, she's the, the wife of Jacob. She's the wife of Israel and the mother of Israel. Mm. It's such a fun picture to, to even mm-hmm. begin to to unravel. And mm. um, as the wife of Israel, she knows full well what is necessary. And so mm. you can look at these different stories of women who stepped in as the mother of Israel and they knew in their season, in their time, what it looked like to be the bride of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or the mother of 
Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. and I love, you guys know, I love the story of JL. I mean, I, I don't know if I've told my story on here, but it was a couple months ago. I was in my car and I heard his voice just like booming through me. And he he's declaring as me, I am JL. <laughs> and it was just such an impactful moment. And I mean, like I was stunned by the moment going like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like, I understand what you're saying. And, and the thing about JL is she's common. She's just a commoner. She's, she's just a mother, right? <laughs> she's mm-hmm. just a wife. She's mm-hmm. just a tent keeper. But the thing that God started revealing to me about JL as just a mother, you know, she, she knew how to expand her tent pegs. She knew how to host presence and she knew how to identify an enemy. And she was not a woman who was a sympathizer with the enemy. And as women, that's really easy for us to fall into. Yeah, We, we, we are the ones who like want to kind of coddle our, our babies and make it okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and sometimes it's not, sometimes we need to, to recognize and identify the enemy that's after our own, right? We need to be like Rachel. I think that we need to, to understand that Rachel's weeping wasn't just a woe is me kind mm-hmm. of thing. Rachel's pissed. Can I say that? <laughs> Rachel's angry. She is mad for, for the, the lives of her children. She's like an angry mama bear, right? And, mm-hmm. and is wanting to protect what is hers. And so I think that that we what we need to see, and this isn't just for the women, there is a response from men, and maybe you can give voice and language to this fence, but um, where we need to rise up and and stop this nonsense of sympathizing with the enemy mm-hmm. in our family lines. I think that that we have stood and and coddled some of the stuff. Maybe it's because we're afraid of uh, confronting it. Maybe we we don't really trust God in some areas. I think that's probably true of all of us in, in mm-hmm. some some regard. But but we need to to put off. On this this Deborah Rachel JL posture and be like absolutely not. I am one who knows how to expand my territory. I am one who knows how to host presence, and I am one who will not sympathize with the enemy. I will I will utilize the common gifts that I have of hosting, and I will allow that to draw the enemy in to drive a tent. <laughs> Through its Ooh. mind, because here's the deal: we're coming out of the sound mind, and I say that loosely because we are not coming out of it, but we're moving <laughs> into a, a soul work now, and and still having that that mind of Christ being brought to the forefront. And but here's the deal: we have to be those who are willing to drive a tent peg through the fallen mind. We can no longer be okay with just a human mind, a human mindedness regarding anything. Anything. I mean, any little thing that comes at you, even if you're like, oh, well, that was weird. I don't know why that really threw me off. You know, maybe you're, you pass somebody in a hallway or something and, and, and they looked at you wrong. I'm being petty, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, like take that thing captive, drive that (laughs) through whatever part of your mind is like suspicious in that moment, because that's not Christ. Christ doesn't operate in suspicion, right? It's just not part of, of, of his character. And, and so we really need to be serious about the things that, that we are allowing to captivate our thoughts. Okay. So Vince, do you have a, a manly response to this? 
I don't know if it's a manly response. I do have a response, you know, uh, those, those things you're just talking about, uh, about walking through the hall and, and somebody's like, Oh, well, something's just come up in you. You better be running the Holy spirit and saying, Whoa, what, why, why is this happening? Is this something in me or am I just being petty <laughs> and silly in which case, stop it. Stop it. Um, the, the, you're, you're talking a, a minute ago about sympathizing with the enemy and uh, allowing uh, uh, compromise to come in and tolerating these things and, and, and not taking a stand to drive the tent peg through it. Well, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where do we want to admit that this is going on, that this has been happening and, and we are sympathizing? Do we want to admit that we've made a mistake and, and, and in the past and now uh, our, our situation doesn't look great? And so now we start sympathizing and and trying to make excuses and some of these different things. But uh, I, I think it all goes back to the, the topic of, of nurturing that you're talking about. Um, it, it, it's going to come in a lot of different forms. And I like what you're highlighting where wanting to gather and protect. Yes, that is one way of nurturing, but that cannot be the... Uh, sustained response over time because people grow you know when you, you think about your kids and uh they're in that infant stage where you're just snuggling with them all the time and you're doing everything for them making sure they're fed they're clean they're you know uh, uh content and until they start to grow and then it changes and and they have to start learning they start uh, crawling and walking and all those different phases of life on up through adulthood and nurturing needs to change and I, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think that's one of the things that we'll, we'll miss in this is that nurturing needs to come in different forms. Yeah. Right? And if we do miss that, we, we may unintentionally start sympathizing with the enemy because now we're trying to protect and coddle yeah. when, when it's not kindness, it's not loving to the person to be coddling them uh, in their mess. You don't uh, uh, see a baby with a poopy diaper and they're crying because they want to be changed and just say, oh, it's okay. You're going to be all right. Eventually you'll figure this out or something will change. God's going to come in and, and move rather than saying, whoa, you know, what's my response here? Where is my partnership with God in this? I'm just going to leave the baby sitting there in, in a mess Right. So, so nurturing is going to take on, on some different things. And, and one of these things that's going to pull us, I think, out of, out of this uh, uh, sympathy mindset is, is the fact that um, looking at God and who it is that he's wanting to show up as for you, who is it he's wanting to show up as for somebody else? We're not all uh, on the same. Uh, uh, we're not all in the same place at the same time. You know, people come into uh, um, the kingdom at different stages of life uh, with different things going on. And so God is going to show up different for other people. We have to know that and we have to understand that 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 is going on. We have to understand that freedom doesn't look the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. As much as we want to uh, egotistically push everybody into our, our same boxes and our same uh, situation, you know, cause it's easier that way. That's just not reality. Yeah. And, and in doing that, you're, you're sympathizing with the enemy, you're throwing chains on people. 
Yeah. No, it's true. And we have to just recognize that this nurturing is just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 as you're talking, I just feel the, the spirit saying no response at all is a kiss on the forehead of the enemy when mm-hmm. he is calling us to drive a stake through the head of an en- enemy. And so how often are we actually like we're using the name of love, right, to um, to, to hold the, the, the enemy, the, the mind of the enemy, I think is what we really need to be looking at here and and basically holding it and comforting it and saying, you're welcome here, you know, and, um, and, and that's, a, we, we have got to change our, our heart posture toward, toward God. And uh, Pepper had just sent me a message last night that, or yesterday, I think I got it last night though, that I haven't had a chance to respond to, but we were just discussing the, the fear of the Lord and, um, and she's like, I still don't think we get it. And I agree. We don't. We don't get it. When um, when God is putting a demand on a people, like bring your gift and you have less than half of the room participating, we have a serious issue. When you have a psalmist break into song that says, if you knew who I was, you would be on your face. And and, and there's no one moving to go low. We have a serious problem in regard to his holiness, to his majesty. And we, we do not have, and we have not made enough room within us for his kingship, for his authority, for his intention and his purposes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's intense, but we have to understand who it is that is coming close to us. And, and if our heart response isn't to go low, because I, I, I want to bow low before you. And sometimes, sometimes we just have to put our body in the right posture. Mm-hmm. Even if we're not feeling it, we yeah. still need to regard him as holy. Even if it just means going through the motion. Because eventually your soul and your mind will catch up. But your spirit knows what to do. And sometimes we just need to follow the demands of the spirit and do what we see ourselves doing. We get so caught up in this, oh, well, I don't want it to seem inauthentic. And I am so sick of the, well, I just want to be authentic. Your your reach for authenticity is actually gross. Mm-hmm. An authentic response is always to go low before him. Always. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're not feeling it. Go low go low. When he's asking for something, you best bring something. I don't care if it's just a stuttered word. You best bring something to the table because that's what he's calling for. And how dare we, how dare we think that that we can withhold when he is calling for everything. Mm-hmm. What was that you said about a kiss on the forehead? Will you say that again? No response at all is a kiss on the forehead of the enemy. Yeah. I remember a, a saying from when I was in the army, you know, and it was used in different ways. Silence uh, is consent uh, or uh, silence isn't consent. You need to actually say something or speak up. But in, in regard to that, you know, uh, silence is consent with the plans of the system of darkness. Yeah. We, we can't be silent any longer. And um, we, we don't have this sound mind thing down completely yet. We absolutely don't have uh, the the right regard for for God and who He is yet. 
Yeah. And, and if, if we can't get that uh, um, at least even halfway figured out, it's going to be, it's going to be continue to be a problem. We're going to continue in the same cycles uh, that you were, you were talking about at the very beginning. You know, if you're being hit with old cycles in, in an intense way, you're probably doing something right. But if you, if you can't take hold of that fear of the Lord and that right regard for him, you're going to, you're going to succumb to these cycles again, mm-hmm. because of the intensity and, and not realizing that the intensity of God is even greater and is is able to overcome those things. Yeah. Pepper, jump in. I was just thinking how we live in a culture so much, and this thought process has seeped into the church that you can't judge me. And so it's translated into we don't even let God judge us. We don't Mm -hmm. let his word judge us. But from that passage where I read where, Jesus said, you know, I just long to hold you, you know, and you're just so stubborn, you won't let me. And because of that, he had to go into judgment mode. Now, I'm not talking about final judgment. He wants us to receive that redemptive judgment that puts us on the right path. We know that someday there will be a final judgment, but I'm talking about the redemptive judgment. And so we don't even receive judgment from one another. And I'm not talking about being judgmental, but I'm talking about that redemptive judgment that the world says, you don't have a right to judge. And, and that's not at all, you know, what scripture says or what the intent of scripture is when it says judge that you be not judged. The intent was you are not in a position to judge someone else about their sin if you don't have clean hands and then once you get your hands clean then once you get the beam out of your eye then your hands are clean and your eyes are clear and you can get me help me get to where god wants me to arrive Mm -hmm. so i think that's even coming to the church i know even in my own thinking i'm guilty it's even coming to the church that we have, we think we have more options than we really have. Come on. So if someone preaches something from the pulpit, it's like a suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, God's commandments aren't really suggestions. You know, if he says, thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal, thou shall not do this, don't do that. Those aren't really suggestions. If he says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, that's not really a suggestion. And I'm sure Vince can tell us, you know, when a a high ranking, somebody who ranks higher than you tells you to march or tells you to jump or tells you to get down and do push-ups, it's not really a suggestion, (laughs) you know? And so I've seen myself even operate in that way. And the Lord has had to point out to me what I didn't really realize or want to realize and say, that's rebellion in your heart. Yeah. I wasn't looking at it that way, but once he pointed it out, yeah, that really is rebellion. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's dogmatic and takes away our personality and all of our choices that that's not what I'm talking about, but, but we have gotten so far the other way that we think everything God says Even if he says it through someone else, well, when I hear it from God himself, I'll do it. Mm 
<laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. You know, if Vince as uh, wherever he ranks and I'm lower rank and he gives me an order from the general, I can't look at Vince and say, well, if I hear it from the general himself, I'll do it. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we have just even gotten to the point where we don't want others judging us. We, we don't let God judge us and we won't even judge ourselves because he said, if you judge yourself, there won't be a need for you to be judged. If you judge and you make a righteous judgment. Yeah. So in regard to the fear of the Lord, I don't totally grasp it. I'm breaching too, but I can see in areas in my own life where I've treated what others have told me through the word of the Lord or through scripture, through song, where I acted as if, if I want to do that, I will have a choice. Right. <laughs> but that's not always the case. I don't always have a choice. <laughs> right. Right. No, I love uh, when you're, when you're pointing to that, we regard his word as a suggestion. And I think that that's what we do. And we give ourselves an out by also pointing to our personality saying, well, he didn't make me that way. Here's the deal. Like we need to be delivered from our disposition that tells us that we don't have to participate in that way because God didn't make me like that. Because that's mm. not true. He wouldn't have said shout, clap, you know, make a joyful right. noise, dance. Right. He wouldn't have said all of these things. It, it, proclaim, right? Like it, there are all of these flamboyant things that that God dictates that we do. And and in our culture, we just point to, yeah, well, I'm an introvert. You need deliverance from your disposition. Because here's the thing. I know full well what it means to be an introvert. I know full well what it means to to have a timid disposition. When when I met Holy Spirit, I was instantly delivered. Now, did I have the language at the time for that? No, but I can look back and see, oh my gosh, like I really was. I was delivered from that. Now, is there is there invitation for me to journey back into that and use that as an excuse? hundred percent. Like I have to fight it on a regular basis because it is there is like a pull for me to, to, um, to remove myself or give myself an excuse not to enter in, in the way that he's wanting to use me. And, and isn't he the one that calls things that aren't as though they are? Look, I repeated it well this time. (laughs) And, and, and isn't he the one that wants to use foolish things to confound the wise? This is just who he is. He takes the most timid and puts them on display and says, look at me. Right. And, and we have to be willing to be vessels who, uh, who are open and willing to, to have the Lord use us in any possible way. If he wants to make much of you, who are you to argue with him? You know, I, I mean, I, I can speak like this because it is my life. It is my existence. I, my, my, my timidity is still very much wanting to hang around, but he has delivered me to the point where I can just throw that thing off. Right. It it might be lurking, but I can throw it off. So we really need to be asking him, deliver me from this mindset that says I have to be a certain way, because really what he's wanting is to possess us and Mm -hmm. use us in any way that that he can. He will he will do anything to reach the lost. It's who he is. He'll do anything to to heal the sick. He'll do anything to deliver the bound. It's just who he is. And that's how the story comes in. This is how Jesus uses the story is, is, you know, God delivers him as an infant 
from the hands of his enemy, where he, he removes them and takes them into Egypt. And there's a deliverance that's happening there. I believe that Jesus was sent back to Egypt to deliver the parts of us, like our, our fallen mind that still wants to be hanging out in Egypt and bound by an enemy. Like there is a part of us that is so comforted by the enemy's hands and that should really gross us out, but it's true. Unfortunately, it's true. We, we, we prefer to, to exist in no man's land and chains than to allow the Lord to function and operate through us any old way he wants. Mm-hmm. I, I love the topic of judgment. It's so necessary, whether we want to take hold of it or not. But um, it, it's not judgment seeking to to play gotcha or anything. It's just looking: is this of the kingdom or not? Right? It, it, it's not uh, um, looking out for for any anything other than uh, kingdom alignment. And I think that's something necessary to remember in in all of this is is are we aligning with the kingdom and uh and going from there yeah for sure pepper any last thoughts i like that are we aligning with the kingdom mm-hmm. yeah and i'd say that's a good goalpost to have if, mm. if we think that's someone fun. is being hypercritical or hyper judgmental or even if we are being overly judgmental on ourselves you know, we can assess and say that, am I aligning with the kingdom? If I am, take the thought captive, Satan, get on down the road. If I'm not, okay, let's go into action and see how I can come in alignment with the kingdom. So I like ending on that note. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, Father, bless it. Bless it. And teach us, teach us your ways. Oh, that's just like, that needs to be the prayer on our lips right now. Teach us your ways because we know not. Just teach us your ways. Introduce us more and more to the fear of the Lord. Ha. Huh. Gosh, we've got a lot to learn. A lot to learn. But God, we trust you, right? Yeah. We trust you. Yes. All right. Amen to that. All right, you guys, we will, um, I'll be back on on Friday. Um, and then you can join us again on um, Sunday. I do have an announcement on the the 21st. Leanne Tolis will be with us. And we're super excited about that because Leanne just has a heart for restoration. And, and I feel like, you know, she is the perfect weapon for God to bring in and help us in our, our jubilant soul journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's so funny is so often we even fight against that, like to, to even be positioned for, for Jubilee and, um and no more, like we just need to say no more of that. But anyway, so Leanne will be with us on the 21st. And we are super excited about that. She'll basically be kicking off our Jubilant Soul series. And um, so anyway, stay tuned. There'll be more information coming your way soon. All right, guys, have a great rest of your Wednesday and we'll talk soon.